Here's what's coming up on today's show. And don't let recessions or expansions, don't let that change your your long-term goal of saving and eventually retiring. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Welcome into Perfect Game Retirement. I'm Ben George with Ryan Ledden, President and Financial Coach of Black Oak Asset Management. Today we have a mailbag edition of the podcast. We got a lot of questions to go through, and Ryan is going to be tossing a lot of different topics your way. So I hope you're ready to go. Absolutely. Let's do it. I like these. We haven't done one in a while, but this I just like the variety of topics and it could pertain to a lot of different people. Some some questions may not pertain to the people listening, but at least maybe it's something they can get some knowledge out of, some nuggets of information. But yeah, we haven't done one in a while. Well, hop into that again. BlackOakAM.com is the website. Phone number to reach Ryan as well is 470-508-0508. And I know as this episode comes out, we're approaching football season. Are the dogs going to three-peat? What do you think? Um, I mean, their schedule lays out like they could, but you still yeah. got to go through the SEC championship and then the college football playoff. Um, again, you know as well as I do, Alabama and Georgia are in the same situation. They're, they're replacing quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. It's a quarterback league. It's a quarterback – I mean, even in the NFL, it's a quarterback league. It's all, it all derives on the quarterback. That's why they get paid so much stinking money. So – I mean, there's a couple guys in line, um, but they're unproven. And and this is kind of the beauty of college football is you kind of have to hit reset. Now, there's a lot of surrounding really great pieces mm-hmm. on that team still because, you know, Saban and, and Kirby recruit at such a high level. They just continue to reload. But, again, quarterback's such an unproven thing now. The, they still haven't named a starting quarterback, but they're saying Carson Beck is probably going to be the starter. And yeah. they're starting to throw – you know, comparisons to um, – oh, my gosh, my mind just went blank. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. Uh, Burrow. Yeah, they're, they're, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that guy had one of the most prolific seasons ever in college football right. his senior year. So, please stop those comparisons <laughs> now. <laughs> he single-handedly turned the Bengals franchise around. So oh, my that's, gosh. That's a very big comp. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting. Would you have ever guessed, though, like if, if four years ago I would have said – You'd been talking about uh, can Georgia find a way to replace Stetson Bennett? What would you have said at that point? Um, before all, before yeah, the no, I, I was. <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I never was a Stetson Bennett doubter or not. I didn't dislike him. There were times where he was frustrating. Yeah, uh, he'd make some decisions that were boneheaded. But again, who am I to say? I've never played college football at that level and been a quarterback, but. So I've always liked that guy, but no, I, I I would have lost a lot of money if if you said, all right, they won two titles underneath him. Because even when I was at the the uh, national championship against Bama, I mean, late in the third quarter, I had fans around me screaming for JT Daniels. Really? Yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're in the national championship now. That's not going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> just stop. But. And he figured a way out. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe he'll do the same thing in the NFL. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that was just a warm-up question for you. Let's just jump <laughs> into the real thing here and start off with a, a interesting one from Rachel. She says, our daughter and her boyfriend are thinking about buying a house together. Should we help them out with a down payment? It seems like it would be more helpful to them than just getting money from us in 20 years when we die. Hmm. 
Uh, Rachel, okay. So honest opinion, if it's your daughter and her boyfriend, so I'm kind of old school. So um, no, I would not use any hmm. money toward the payment of their house because you're you're just asking for trouble on that because they're not married yet. Um, it's now if they're married, completely different story. Sure, give it to them as a gift if you want to help them with the down payment, but co-mingling funds like that when it's daughter boyfriend and no uh so i would not do anything just until they get married okay but um i would just getting that money from us in 20 years when you die hopefully you don't die in 20 years rachel um it, you, you don't know when you're gonna die none of us are guaranteed tomorrow but use that as a gift but wait until wait until they get married that's that's my two cents you may think completely different rachel I have a 12 year old daughter, so I'm not at that stage yet. But if I were in your shoes and she came to me and asked me that question, I would say, absolutely. You're not getting a dime from me. Yeah. There's probably just, there's number one, it seems like there's a lot of negative outcomes that could come from that, but there's probably a a lot of other options if you're looking to help her out right now that are available to you. Right. Yes, absolutely. And don't, yeah, because that's an asset that if you put in both individuals' names and they're not married, yes, there's it's just it's a recipe for stress, hiccups, disaster, whatever word you want to use in that situation. It's just not it's not good. All right, thanks, Rachel, for the question. All right, how about one from Bruce? I fear a recession, so I might stop contributions to my four hundred one k for a while. Is that a good idea, Bruce? What do you think I'm going to say here? <laughs> All right. First no, off, next question. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. Be be fearful and, and step out. Get out of the get out of the game for a while. No, I'm kidding, Bruce. It's a legit question. It is, uh, but the fear of recession that that happens anytime there's a good market. I mean, we really haven't hit a true deep recession since obviously 08 and 09. I mean, technically by definition, we hit it in 2022 because we had two quarters of GDP that were down. You didn't really hear that in the media a whole lot. Anyway, that's that's a whole other discussion too. But so that that fear is always there. The the big recession. When is that going to hit again? So, but stopping contributions. No, um, I mean the markets are back to pretty high levels right now. Um, at knock on wood, as I'm as we're recording this show. But um, just being fearful and not just putting your head down and continue to invest every pay period. I mean, even when there is a recession, oh my goodness, put, put money in if you can afford to do so, please, because you're buying it when the market is down. So it's amazing how, you know, we know, all of us know, buy low, mm-hmm. sell high. That is the obvious, but we want to overthink that and not do that. And I know you said a re- you haven't said a recession has hit yet, but if you're buying it when things are going well, you're you're buying it when it's not on sale. So continue to put that money in, set it, forget it, put that percentage amount that you can put in there and just continue doing it and, and don't let recessions or expansions, don't let that change your, your long-term goal of saving and eventually retiring. Yeah, I feel like too, you don't wanna break those habits, right? It's easy yep. if you stop putting that money in that all of a sudden you start using that money elsewhere and it's hard to train yourself to just, not have those funds and putting them straight into an account like that. Right. And it's like you're, you're a market timer when you do that. And and I just wholeheartedly don't believe in that. 
Well, I've been hearing the word recession, it feels like, for two or three years now. So I hope, uh, hopefully we just get it over with if it's going to happen here pretty soon. But good question, Bruce. All right, uh, Harvey is up next. Uh, part of me really wants to retire, but I've gotten pretty used to having a paycheck for the last 40 years and can't imagine not having one, even though I have savings. So how do people ever get comfortable with the idea of not having money coming into their checking account every month? Man, Ben, he needs to listen to our last episode. Right. Yeah, exactly. The complaining <laughs> episode. Um, yeah. Harvey, listen to the last episode. That'll answer your question. But I get it. It, it is a fear a lot, a lot of people have of not receiving a paycheck anymore, not having earned income through their blood, sweat, and tears. So again, that's Harvey. That's that's where you need to do, again, whether it's us or somebody else, you got to sit down and go through an income plan and figure out what those income streams look like, figure out what your expenses are. And if you have no problem creating that income that you need with your savings and social security pensions, whatever else you have out there, Harvey, that's going to create that income for you. And hopefully it gives you that peace of mind. Now, if that savings is stretching you a little bit too thin, then okay, maybe you have to work for a little while longer, but just reading between the lines of your question, it doesn't sound like you have to. It's just more of a fear that's there, but sit down with a with an income planner and they should they should map that out for you. Thanks for that question, Harvey. Again, if you have questions for Ryan, you can send them in, blackoakam.com. Andy is next. He says, I've been told that I need to make sure I have a mortgage when I retire because that will be the only tax deduction I'll have at that point. I've been paying extra on my house to have it paid off by the time I retire, but maybe I should slow down on that plan. So I'm not sure where you got your information from, Andy, as far (laughs) as not paying your, I'm hundred percent in favor of getting your mortgage paid off uh, before you retire. I get the idea of having a tax deduction, but as high as the standard deduction is now, you're going to have to have a ton of interest that you're going to have to pay each year to get above what that standard deduction is. Again, Dave Ramsey talks about this a lot. Um, just YouTube, Dave Ramsey, should I pay my mortgage or take the tax deduction? I mean, he, he says it way more eloquently than I'm going to be able to say it. But the deduction does not make sense when you do the math on it versus having a mortgage paid off. It just, it doesn't. So keep paying extra. Don't listen to whoever told you that. <laughs> because again, in, in, in retirement, it's about income. And if you don't have your biggest overhead expense going out every single month, that just frees up your income even more. So if you don't have a $2,000 a month mortgage payment, there's two grand you don't have to take out of your investments or two grand you can spend somewhere else. So yeah, Andy, keep plowing forward, pay that mortgage off. Um, and don't, don't worry about the tax deduction. It's, it's just not worth it. Yeah. Great question, Andy. Glad you asked that uh, to us today. All right. Rita has our next question here in the mailbag. What's the best way to save for college for my grandkids? Uh, good question, Rita. So there are several ways. Um, I think probably the easiest if you're specifically wanting to save for college is the 529. Um, it, it grows tax deferred. You pull it out tax free as long as it's for qualified education expenses. So that's the easiest way. You can also save a really big chunk inside of 529. So depending on how much you're wanting to save, Rita, now if it's a smaller amount, uh, there's still accounts out there called ESAs, Educational Savings Accounts. You can only put up to $2,000 in those. So it's not a lot. 
So obviously in your question, Rita, you didn't really state how much you wanted to do, but probably the easiest way, depending on where you live, like we're in the state of Georgia, Rita, you can go online to the state of Georgia plan and contribute directly to that plan. It's, you don't use an advisor for it. Um, you can do an age-based thing if you want to. You can do a portfolio based off how aggressive you want to do it, but it's very easy to do. And then others can contribute to it as well, um, you know, because 529 limits are much, much higher than the ESA. So those are probably the best two. There's there's UTMA accounts, UTMAs, um, but then you start getting into kitty tax. and ta So not that they're, they're bad. They're just a little bit more they're different, a little bit more complex, but 529 and ESAs are probably the, the easiest two to set up uh, for grandkids. What what would be the benefit of an ESA? I just to me, I, when you said the $2,000 limit, I'm just thinking, what what actually can you pay education-wise for $2,000? It's an <laughs> excellent point and excellent question. So most people don't even do ESAs anymore. Like okay. It's just it's just almost pointless. Uh, I shouldn't say pointless. It's a way to say, but there are income restrictions on it. Like if you make too much money, you can't do it. But yeah, putting in two grand, you're like, really? That's 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 all I can do. Yeah. And, and and the reason why that they when they started these things, and I don't do not know when ESAs were created. It it was it it started. That was the limit, two thousand bucks, and they have not inflated that up despite hmm. higher education costs continuing to go up. They haven't increased those limits whatsoever. So again, don't get me started on that. But <laughs> they want to complain about student loan debt, and I'm like, okay, well, there's one account you can't hardly save anything in. I get it. There's a 529 now. 529s have really opened up. They can you can use it for private school now. Tuition up to ten thousand dollars per year. Used to not be able to use that for 529s. There's even this clause now that you can any unused 529 money you can move it to a Roth IRA. In the child's name, there's a whole bunch of different little thing boxes you got to check to be able to do that, but it's possible because uh, that's the big knock on a 529 is what if I don't use it? Well, yeah. you take it out and you got to you, you, you take out what you put in, but then you got to pay taxes and a penalty on the growth on that account. So there's a little bit of a handcuff there. Anyway, so those those are those are probably the two best, but 529 definitely is is way ahead of the ESA. All right. Continuing on in the mailbag here on the podcast. Got a question from Allison. This one's a little bit longer, so stick with me here. I'm 60 and I'd love to retire right now. I know I don't have enough money to last the rest of my life, but I should get a sizable inheritance from my mom whenever she passes. She's in her early 90s, so I don't expect her to be around that much longer. And I don't want it to make it sound like I'm just waiting for her to die because that's not the case at all. But do you think I'm safe to go ahead and retire with the expectation of getting money from her in the next decade? Hmm. Ellis, good, good question. I, I get the sentiment. Yeah. You don't want to be like, Oh, I'm just waiting for this to happen. Uh, so you finished your question there saying the next decade. So yeah, if she's in her early nineties, next decade, very good chance, um, that, that she will not be with you or us, uh, anymore. So, uh, I mean, I do like to take inheritance into consideration. I, I, and I ask people that who are entering retirement, hey, any any potential inheritance we're, we're going to get that needs to be a part of this plan that maybe you want to factor in down the road. Um, so, so Ellis, I, I guess if you have plenty of assets, maybe look at it like this. If you have plenty of assets that cover your next 15 to 20 years of retirement, so to get you close to 80, maybe 75 or 80 years old, 
I think it's okay to factor that in. I'm just a little bit hesitant because this is a great question, but you also just don't want to put all your chips on the table like, oh, I can spend all this money in 15 years and boom, I'm going to get this. Because, I mean, here's another question, Ellis, back at you. How much does it cost to to take care of her? Is she in a home? Is she going to use a lot of her assets over time? Will it will it kind of burn through some of her assets? So, mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. It, it, it depends on how much she has. Um, but... I, it's not wrong to factor that in. I just wouldn't put factor your entire retirement base off of the next decade. I would extend it out at least another five or 10 years. Yeah. That's yeah. You just never know if that money will be around. I mean, like you said, there's no guarantees that it's the case. So mm-hmm. it's hard to, to base that around it, but Ellis, a great question. And you want to do some additional planning to, to kind of get a better sense of where you stand on things. So reach out to Ryan. You can schedule a retirement coach 360 session online right now at blackoakam.com. A few more questions. Next one from Clark here says our home is no longer ideal for us. It's too big and too much to keep up with. Now that our kids are grown and gone, we'd like to move, but we'll only be working for another four to five years and retiring to another state. Would it be a bad idea to move twice in such a short period of time? Because it seems expensive to do that. And I don't really want to mess up our retirement plans. Hmm. Four or five years. So so you could move a couple times. Yes, it's a big old pain. So it depends. Some people handle moves like it's nothing. I, I don't like it. Hopefully I'm not moving for a long period of time after building our house a few years ago. Um, so if you don't mind it, it's okay. Uh, just make sure... You know, there's taxation involved with living in a house for a short period of time. You need to make sure you live in there for a certain period of time, depending on taxes. And anyway, that's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down from a taxation standpoint. Just make sure you don't move too quickly because <laughs> hmm. uh, you may owe some some taxes on some of those gains uh, potentially. So um, I'm not against it. I, I just figure, I mean, gosh, four or five years, that's going to happen pretty quick. Unless your house is just so big and so dreadful to take care of. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I would stay put four or five years is going to go by quick. And then you only have one house to sell one move. I, I would, I would stay put, uh, if I were you, I, I don't know the ins and outs of your situation, Clark, but stay put and then move in four or five years and just do it one time. Yeah, the idea of moving twice in five years sounds miserable to me. Yes, uh, but if if you're not happy with where you are, right? I mean, it's it's probably worth it. But yeah, not only not not to mention the expense, just the headache of the move is, is enough to stay put. Yes. For me. No All right, uh, Vicky's next. Uh, how can I tell if a financial advisor is actually qualified or not? My brother-in-law just informed us that he's now a financial advisor, but just a month ago he was calling himself a life coach who happened to work part time at a Starbucks. So if he's a financial advisor all of a sudden, it makes me a bit skeptical of the entire industry. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, totally fair. Um, I mean, they <laughs> you do have to pass some tests, uh, so at least you have to have some sort of competency. Um, there's, there's a few exams you have to take uh, to, to get your license to get certified to be able to do certain investments. So I get it. I don't want to be too harsh on your brother. It's kind of funny. Brother-in-laws are like the stereotypical people to make fun. Oh, my brother-in-law told me this, or my brother-in-law gave me, <laughs> gave me advice to do this. Um, so I, I don't want to poo-poo on his previous jobs and then saying he can't be a good advisor. I came from a different career. I came from education. I did teach economics. I had a financial background. Um, so I, I did have maybe a little bit more pre-qualifications, but 
still industry, there's a lot of career changers in this industry. And if they have a passion for people teaching, because I still teach, it's just, it's just a different, different audience. Um, and, and learning the technical side of this business, it's a relationship business. So a lot of times a new advisor, you probably need to work underneath someone as a mentor or a mentee and work for a mentor and learn the industry, learn how to talk to people, learn the the technical behind the scenes stuff that you have to do on your computer and buying and selling and trades and and all that. Obviously, there's technology and software that help with all that. So, Vicky, don't be too hard on the industry. Um, I get it. You're, you're a little suspect. Here's here's my advice, Vicky. I wouldn't do any business with them until they've been in the business for three years. There's a lot of people that try this industry, and I can't remember. I don't want to quote stats, but there's some crazy percentage of people that are no longer in the industry after three years. Um, it's tough. It's tough to stay around. It's tough to get paid because when you're a new advisor and you're trying to convince people to put their money with you and they're like, okay, you were you were teaching last year. What makes you qualified? I get it. I understand it. Um, so you have to grind it out. And then after three years, you start to distance yourself from a previous career and and then go with them. Uh, but don't do it just because it's it's family and just be honest with them. Like, okay, I just want to make sure you're in the business for a while um, before we, we move any money over to you. So that's a valid concern. Yeah, but don't don't put the whole industry in there. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a pretty fun, funny situation, Vicky, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's uh, close out with a question from Eddie, who's up last here with this one. I'm 62 and I'm making more money than I ever have by far. So that part of my job is gratifying. But at the same time, I hate all the red tape and politics involved in working for a Fortune 500 company. So some days are great and some days make me want to retire tomorrow. Do you think I'd end up regretting it if I walked away from this fantastic income at this age? Hmm. Really good question, Eddie. I think it it boils down to everybody's breaking point is is different because I have those very conversations, very same conversations in our conference room in here. So I have plenty of of clients who work for probably maybe the same Fortune 500 company as you. So yeah, they can have huge benefits, great career, but they also come with all jobs come with headaches. They 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 do. Um, we were just doing 401k enrollment meetings the other day and. We're helping a guy get set up on his formal case, like super excited to start and everything. He's like, man, y'all got the greatest job. You're helping people. Uh, so gratifying, which is 100% true. I did not disagree with him, but it's not like it's that way every day. <laughs> it's got its stresses. It's got its downsides. I mean, heck, even when I was playing professional baseball, again, I wasn't earning anything because I was in the minor leagues, but I remember counting days down until the season was over. I'm like, are you kidding me? Hmm. I'm, I'm getting paid to play baseball, not yeah. much, but getting paid to play baseball mm. with a chance of making it to the big leagues. And we're sitting here in the middle of August going, oh, my gosh, three weeks left. I cannot wait for the season to be over. <laughs> and as soon as it's over for a week, you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> All my friends are in college. They're in school, and I'm sitting here doing nothing. So let's go back to the season. Anyway, mm. um, so, Eddie, it, it, there, there's breaking points for everything. And I think a lot depends on how much you have saved. I mean, can you make this last for the next 30 years because you're 62 could easily live until you're 92. So what kind of assets do you have saved up to be able to do that? So don't do it without planning first. Don't don't just make a, a, a rush decision just because you had a terrible day and you want to tell your boss or company to go fly a kite. Don't, don't do that until you have planning. But if you have planning and you have that mapped out going, I can do this. I'm, I'm 62, but I got to figure out my health insurance for the next 
you know, year and a half, two years until I get to Medicare. What does that look like? Hey, get your ducks in a row. And then if you do have one of those just crippling days that you just cannot stand it and you have it mapped out, you can just say, you know what? See ya. I, I don't, I don't need this anymore. So just, just have it planned out. Yeah. I like that. Be ready so that if that day comes, you're, <laughs> you're good to go and you know it. So you know, that's, that's right. That's a good, cause it will come. You just don't know when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. All great questions. We do greatly appreciate everyone who's reached out. Any feedback you provide the podcast and Ryan, we always love to hear it. So if you have questions or want to just talk with Ryan directly, you can always do so at blackoakam.com. A lot of great tools and resources there, but you can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online right now as well. The phone number for Black Oak is 470-508-0508. All right, Ryan, let's close it out. Uh, always thanks to the listeners for the questions. We'll do this again, this format again sometime down the road. But in the meantime, hope you have a good week. Absolutely. You too. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC, Black Oak Asset Management, and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.